Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Marty Groover. He's the partner and CTO at C5MI and also an author. Marty, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Kelsey. Yeah, excited to have you. So, Marty, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a retired Navy officer, spent 21 years in the Navy, started out enlisted working on weapon systems, and I went officer, and I got some great experiences learning um, about common operational pictures and advanced technologies with the weapon systems I worked on. Uh, fast forward, I retired uh, in 2007, went to work for Caterpillar, became a manufacturing guy, engineer. Then I was a operations person, a factory manager, and then I deployed a system called SAPs. You know, it's a, a ERP software that helps you run the factories better and all that. And I uh, complained about it enough at Caterpillar where they put me in charge of globally deploying all of uh, Caterpillar's ERP systems. So I really got in. I went from the operations side to the uh, the IT side, and then we started getting into Industry 4.0, which is connected technologies, IOT, all that, all those good buzzwords in our factories. Uh, you know, it excited us enough that we started our own company called C5MI. So then in the meantime, I started translating all these things I learned in the Navy, yeah. which uh, kind of helped me write this book. It was the genesis uh, for Speed of Advance. Yeah, that's fantastic. So when did you first become interested in the military? Well, it's kind of interesting. I was going to college, kind of didn't know what I wanted to do after I got out of high school. I was in Florida. And the space shuttle was, uh, at the time it was, you know, it was there it was, I watched the space shuttle launch one day and I was talking to somebody that'd be really neat to work on it. And my cousin was in the Navy and he said, you know, if you go in the Navy and get advanced electronics, you could probably learn enough to take you out there and work, you know, at the space coast. So that was my original plan. And then I got on my first ship and I absolutely loved the Navy. Yeah. Being at sea and, and working on technology and all the fun stuff, you know, that we do, uh, I just loved it and stayed in. That's fantastic. So it sounds like that's kind of what led you to speed of advance. It is. Speed of advance is a naval term. So when you're on the bridge of a ship, you're always driving the ship somewhere. So as an officer, uh, ship driver, I was an officer of the deck, and we always had to measure it. So it was actual versus plan. What was our plan? Where do we need to be by the, when? And you're always constantly measuring your speed to be the most efficient speed you can because you don't have a lot of resources at sea, mm -hmm. so you don't want to burn extra fuel mm -hmm. that you don't have. So it it really was the genesis of measuring things. And we measured mm -hmm. everything, even the number of eggs, water, you name it, every day it gets measured. Yeah. And so when I went into manufacturing, I jumped right into measuring quality, measuring velocity, how fast we're moving things. So it just was a natural uh, transition. Uh, and it just really made me think, I need to write this book. I, I didn't realize when I was in the Navy, I called myself Marty McFly in the book. I kind of <laughs> saw the future. And when I went back into manufacturing, I thought I was going to, you know, Caterpillar is a Fortune 100 great manufacturer, but I kind of went backwards yeah. um, from some of the technology I had the Navy uh, back back into manufacturing. So I was able to leverage, you know, just like out of the sports almanac and Marty McFly, I, I put some of these things in, in place in Caterpillar and was really successful with them. Yeah. So when did you first see kind of the, the connection between the U.S. Navy strategies and then, you know, your success in business strategies? Yeah, it's really, it was really a slow progression. It was interesting. I didn't realize at the time. So the Navy built this system called the Aegis Weapon System. 
And that's kind of how we won the Cold War. The speed of air warfare was so fast in the Vietnam War that humans couldn't really be in the loop of the systems anymore and be effective. We actually took a couple of missile shots because the missiles were going too fast. And the systems that we had relied on humans to connect them. So we built these weapon systems that were fully automatic and could track a lot of contacts at the same time. And because we got so far ahead of the Russians, really, they couldn't catch up. So they basically had to quit. They didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. And so then I didn't realize it at the time. You know, I get into manufacturing, and all of a sudden, all these common themes and threads are starting to come through. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Amazon, the speed of retail, mm-hmm. the Industry 4.0, and the technology is very similar to the speed of air warfare. Mm-hmm. And now the speed of retail is really driving, you know, advanced manufacturing and the next industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit more about what you mean by, you know, the and you can see it behind you. Talk to me a little bit more about the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. So the third industrial revolution is kind of interesting. So when you look at the late 70s, it's very similar to what we're feeling right now. We had a lot of inflation. Things were costing really high. Now, people like to think that the politicians that came into office, and I won't name names, made a bunch of changes and changed our economy. It, some of that could be true. But really, it wasn't just fiscal policy. It was the Silicon Age mm-hmm. or PC computers. Yeah. And when you look at the last 30 years from the early 80s till right around 2010, every year we, we got better and better, more productive because of our computer systems. Mm-hmm. But now we're kind of at the end of that Silicon Age. And what's interesting is the Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks uh, multifactorial productivity in our in our manufacturing section and everything that we do. Um, and it's actually been going down since around 2011. Why? And everybody talks about digital transformation. We have too much technology, too many things, and they're not converged properly. Mm-hmm. What the fourth industrial revolution is about is really how do you take the personnel loop, sort of like what we did with the Aegis weapon system, let them do the important things, let the computers do what they can do with algorithms and drive actions without a human ever being mm-hmm. making that decision, and then only presenting problems that a human can solve. So the fourth industrial revolution, a lot of people think, oh, it's going to be AI. They're, you know, uh, if chat GPT, if you've heard of that, you know, that's like the biggest buzzword these days. Mm-hmm. It's going to take over everybody's jobs. It's not. It's just going to make people more productive and less and less people want to work in manufacturing. So the idea behind it will be distributed manufacturing, meaning a lot of smaller factories, delayed differentiation, mm-hmm. which will mean sort of like your Amazon, you'll order a pair of sneakers or something, and really a 3D printer or something will print them right then, you know, mm-hmm. be very close to where you are, right. and it will follow the supply chain. Mm-hmm. Well, the fourth industrial revolution is going to change the way we do business. And all the inflation we're feeling right now and labor arbitrage from China, that's all going to change because of the fourth industrial revolution is going to allow us to do a lot more um, with technology than we have in the past and make things a lot more efficient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. You know, in your book, you talk about kind of harnessing the power of technology to drive untouchable results. Talk to me more about kind of what you mean by that. The key thing is, first, this is about strategy. I'm not going to really tell you in the book how to do the fourth industrial revolution. It'd be much thicker than, you know, <laughs> everybody told me, write a business book, keep it under 200 pages or nobody will read it. So I try to do that. But this is really about the strategy because a lot of people, what they do is they go to technology first. And they think there's a silver bullet in technology, and there's just not. It's really hard work. First, you got to take a process and the people. What capabilities do you need out of your process? I need to be able to do it this fast, this good of quality, whatever those are. And this is how we built the Aegis Weapons System. We didn't say, oh, we're going to put a radar missile. We said, what capabilities do we need 
out of the system. And then from there, you select the right technology and just enough technology mm-hmm. to solve that problem, to codify a process digitally, to keep it in control and and, and empower the human to do more with less mm-hmm. with process. So it's really about using technology as an enabler to a capability, not just technology for technology's sake. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that kind of takes me to my to my next question is the book starts off with chapter one, you know, about mission first, people always. So tell me more, you know, about the intersection between, you know, what you were just mentioning and what, what that means. Yeah. So to me, you you always got to have a mission, whether you're in business, military, whatever. That mission is really how you build the capabilities that you need. Mm-hmm. But people are always should be at the center of how you're going to execute that mission because nothing can really happen unless you have an empowered workforce that under that has the clarity of what the what they're doing and why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And if you get the why right for people, it's just amazing to see how they perform. And in our military is that way. A lot of people get the why. They're there. They're dedicated. People under, don't understand what military put people put themselves through, but it works the same. Uh, I use the same ideas that I had in the military to motivate people in the in the civilian world. And if you give people clarity and they understand what the mission is, oh, that's what you want me to do. Great. Mm-hmm. People want to do a good job, and that's what I found. I always tried to ha- have the people engage in the process and make them own it and mm-hmm. really believe that they had the power. Mm-hmm. in the business and it's it's just amazing the results when you do that yeah so talk to me about the mission of of c5mi yeah so c5mi is really about getting exponential um, business results by converging people process and technology we live this every day to improve to reduce waste improve productivity but also in a sustainable way we are a company that believes in esg in the economy, and we know our the capabilities that we provide our customers to improve throughput, to reduce lead times in supply chains, or or improve mm-hmm. productivity of processes and people can um, improve business outcomes, mm-hmm. make people's lives better, but also uh, help our economy by using less res or our environment, excuse me, and our economy by using less resources to do the same thing that they did in the past. Yeah. So break down kind of the the areas of expertise and the solutions that C5MI, you know, is is able to, you know, dive into. So there's a maturity curve that that people are on depending on where they're at with the technology front to industrial, you know, fourth industrial revolution. You don't just go straight there. So you start with a digital core mm-hmm. and think of that as your engine. Whatever your digital transactional system is that you use every day, whether it's accounting system. In manufacturing, it's an ERP system that does all your parts ordering and all that. So there's mm-hmm. digital core. We do that. Mm-hmm. Warehouse management systems, core ERP systems. Then we do supply chain agility and resilience. Mm-hmm. How are you using that technology? Because a lot of people spend a lot of money on the digital core, then they never leverage it properly. They use a little bit of it or they don't adopt it well. Mm-hmm. That it's visibility of the processes whether you can see it and now you're measuring the processes because you got your engine and just like the Aegis weapon system, now I got a system on top of it that's mm-hmm. measuring it every day. That's my speed of advanced measurements, actual versus planned. I was supposed to make this many widgets today. Did I do it or not? I was supposed to do it with this much labor. Did I use more labor than I was supposed to? Because every time you do that, you lose money, right? You leak. Mm-hmm. Or you don't meet your customers' demands because you're you're not making stuff on time. And then from there, you go to predictability. How do I predict what's going to happen? How do I see it before it happens and I have failures to prevent it then to full autonomy? So that's kind of, mm-hmm. if you think about a maturity curve, yeah. 
want to get the full autonomy, but you don't get there in one step. So we have solutions all through there um, to help our customers. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you think it's important to follow, you know, that process to, you know, autonomy? Well, it just depends where you're at, the maturity model, where you're going to go. But if you can get to get to the full autonomy, you're going to have better business outcomes. You're going to empower your people and you're, you're actually going to be ready for the fourth industrial revolution. So if you look at the speed of retail and just go back five years and look at how many retail companies, brick and mortars, Bed Bath & Beyond is one of them, Toys R Us, they've gone out of business. Why? They had to go bankrupt because they could not stay with Amazon anymore. Well, that's going to happen in manufacturing too. So you want to, you know, you got to do something and how do you get there? Because if other companies get too far ahead, one, there won't be enough people out there that know how to do these things, the mm -hmm. technology, and you won't have enough money to, to buy it, to get it, to catch up. So there's yeah. going to be a gap between the leaders and the laggards and the laggards, the ones that wait too long to do it will be the ones that will probably not exist. Yeah. So it sounds like part of C5MI is all about building kind of up to autonomy. Talk to me a little bit about how leaders can build that pipeline to, to get up there. See, the, then that's, thank you for asking that question because that's the most important thing. When we go to our customers, that's probably the biggest issue that we solve. We know we need to do something, but we really don't understand how we should do it. Mm -hmm. And for us, we have a roadmap that's based off what's your digital core? What are you trying to do? Do you have the foundational system? Because if you don't have the foundational engine, you really can't just try to add a bunch of technology on it. So right. what we do with leaders, think about your strategy. What is it going to be? So you forecast, like, I want to be able to do this, this, and this. What's your moonshot? Mm -hmm. Take your moonshot. If I could take my business right now and just hit a magic button and I could be here and this this would solve a lot of my problems. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And then you backcast into it how am I going to build a roadmap to build that foundational layer? Because you got to build a foundation just like a house. Mm -hmm. And then you just keep adding to it and making it work better and better together. You can't just do a big bang and get it. It has to be very methodical strategy. The first thing I need to do is this. Mm -hmm. Whatever that capability is, it might be, I just need to be able to see all my quality events when they happen. I need to automate confirmation so I don't have to rely on people to do it because that causes me a lot of problems when I inventory. Whatever the problems are, what are the capabilities to solve it? And then you build a logical roadmap, you know, based on that to get there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So do you see trends in different size companies, you know, or your clients that tend to work with C5MI? Yeah, I mean, we, we go anywhere from Fortune 100 companies, we've worked with them, down to small to medium manufacturers. I mean, some of the smaller manufacturers, they're not there yet. There, there's a lot of companies and some of them are just forward leaning. They have a plan. They know what they want to do. Some of them are interested in just fixing a couple things. So it's really a dichotomy of what we deliver um, and what we can deliver based on our different solutions, whether real-time location tracking, they may have a need for that. So there's some people that just need spot solutions and services and then some mm -hmm. that need the whole gambit. It mm -hmm. just depends, really. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of dipped your toe into one of my next questions. Um pun intended. Talk to me a little bit about the, <laughs> talk to me a little bit about kind of the, the, the iceberg of ignorance. Cause I think you started to kind of talk about that, but expand on that for me. So this, I love the iceberg of ignorance. So if you ever watched uh, undercover boss, where does the undercover boss always go? All the way to the, all the way to the bottom. the bottom, right? Cause that's where a lot of leaders think they know what's going on. Mm -hmm. 
in that iceberg of ignorance, the solutions we developed are really that vertical thread from the from the shop floor to the top floor, we call it, and then there's the horizontal thread through the supply chain. But what if we do our job well, the people at the lowest level can run your business, and that's what you want. You want your leaders working two levels up, not two levels down. So what the iceberg of ignorance does is it, it democratizes the data so everybody understands what they're doing and how what they're doing, like I said before, if they understand the why and how the work they do rolls up to the goals of the company, mm-hmm. it is amazing to see it in action. And you get rid of the iceberg ignorance because you have you create a digital single version of the truth, for instance, speed of advance, uh, just build conformance. Today I'm supposed to build this many. The system automatically tells me nobody has to go run a spreadsheet, do anything. The system counts it and tells me how many I build. I'm either ahead or behind. And everybody looks at the same data and agrees upon it. And they don't even think about whether it's right or wrong. And now they they behave off that situational awareness. Mm-hmm. So it's really about getting rid of the iceberg ignorance and knowing, everybody knowing at all levels, this is what we're doing and this is how we're going to get continual improvement with this technology and these processes. Hmm, that's really interesting. So are there any other misconceptions that you have heard to kind of debunk either around like the convergence of people, process and technology, the the fourth industrial revolution, anything that, you know, any other misconceptions that you see? Yeah. I, I mean, besides people being replaced by robots and all that <laughs> the other part, the other part is, is that, oh, millennials don't want to work. They don't really care. You know, you hear this from, you know, maybe the boomer generation. And really what I have found is if you put these type of tools in the millennials or the younger, the di- I call them the digital natives, like my daughter, like they've never not known what this hand is, <laughs> you know, with a phone, I did a, there's no concept. <laughs> I'm, I'm always absolutely amazed when we put, when we give those people these tools and the outcomes that they get from them and how much, if you give them the data and you give them the tools, they'll blow you out of the water with better solutions you ever thought of. So it's really about empowering the workforce to self-serve mm-hmm. and solve problems for you. So you don't have to. Yeah. I, and I know that sometimes it's uncomfortable for leaders to say, well, they're doing everything without me. Exactly. That's as as a job, even in the military and people will mm-hmm. be surprised as an officer. I always want to work myself out of a job because if I did that, mm-hmm. if something happened to me, everybody's empowered at the lower level. They can, mm-hmm. a business continues. And that's the way the military works. Mm-hmm. I always did that in the civilian world, push the decisions, push the empowerment down the lower level. Mm-hmm. Amazing how much better the business outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like kind of creating a culture of learning is one of the most important things. So that you, like you said, you're working your way out of a job. Yep. Yep. Train that next lower level, give them the tools they need and then empower them to make decisions and learn off from as they grow. And then what do they need next? And it's amazing when I used to give people, I used to write reward posters and I'd say, I'll give you this much money to solve one of my quality problems or something. Cause it was cost say I had a quality problem cost me 10,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Heck, I'll give you one month's worth of my cost. If you solve that problem for me, cause now I got 11 months and going forward, you know, I'm not, I don't have that problem anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So Marty, as we kind of wrap up this podcast episode, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with either, you know, about speed of advance, about the fourth industrial revolution, about, about C5MI? Yeah. First of all, I mean, it's about strategy, really thinking about how you're going to, what the business outcomes that you need and how people can enable them. And then what are the processes and capabilities, then throw the technology on it. If you get the strategy right, adoption comes and then you get better business outcomes. As far as C5MI, we're a company 
You know, our culture is all about change, challenge the present, the change of future. We believe the fourth industrial revolution is going to make our country stronger. And the, the changes that we're going to see in 20 to 30 years are, are going to be unbelievable, exponential changes, but they're going to be good. They're not going to be bad like everybody thinks. It's really going to help our economy overcome. I mean, you look how much debt we have right now. We could really overcome that debt by getting that much more efficient and bringing manufacturing back to the United States. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Well, Marty, this has been a fantastic episode. I really appreciate you being on Business Ninjas, talking about your book, talking about C5MI, and I'm very thankful that we were able to connect. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Kelsey. I really enjoyed it. Take care. Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io, W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E.io, and schedule a time to meet with us, and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.